Listening to 103.5 FM, the Sun Community Radio, WLSP LP, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and you're in homeroom with Brad Saren. Hello, my name is Todd Molesky. That's Brad Saren. He's the superintendent Hello, of the Sun Prairie Area School District. Hi, Brad. Glad to have Good you to again. again. Yeah, uh, it's it's getting to the point of the school year where I mean we've been out of the studio for more than a year now, so we haven't seen each other face to face on one of these. But I th- feel like we're getting um, you know a little bit more into this how to record sometimes and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't. it's it's todd's resourcefulness that gets us through well let's hope let's hope it actually gets the air uh, at this point so um our guest today is kurt mold who's the director of digital media innovation and strategy for the district welcome kurt thank you for joining us hi todd thanks for having me and uh, kurt i believe is a a four-time guest now on homeroom uh which may be in the lead uh for our, our all-time guests but uh it's it's great to he's have tied you with nancy everson okay yeah that's that sounds about right yeah um, looking for my five timers jacket like they get on saturday night live we're gonna develop something yeah i think we've we've got to at this point now yeah um but so Kurt is here to talk to us a little bit about secondary migration, which is a, a, uh, a an odd sounding uh, topic, maybe that it, it doesn't involve birds migrating or anyone, you know, anything like that. It involves where children will be going to school and when. And I want to start with that and, and why that's a topic for us right now, uh, maybe taking a step back. Uh, for people who don't know, there there was a referendum a couple of years ago about building new schools and, and a couple of times now. And, and I was hoping that maybe, Brad, you could touch on that. When that happened, why that happened, and what that means now when we're talking about secondary migration and where students will be going to school, why that became a topic uh, when it did. Absolutely. So if we recall back in 2018-19, we had a secondary school space planning committee unanimously recommend to the Board of Education, who unanimously approved a referendum for April of 2019, which was eventually passed by the community to, uh, to add a second high school to Sun Prairie based on our growth and just based on our need uh, for facilities. And so when that referendum passed, we knew immediately that there were a whole bunch of decisions that we had to make, including a boundary task force, which just uh, actually uh, ended up happening with a recommendation of the board, an activities configuration plan, naming logos and mascot plans, uh, staffing plans, schedule plans, traffic safety plans, curriculum plans. But we also knew that all of those decisions sort of hinged on how we would transition students from our current configuration of schools, which include K through fifth grade, two lower middle schools, which are sixth and seventh grade, an upper middle school, which is an eighth and ninth grade, and then one 10, 11, 12 high school to a configuration of three six through eight middle schools and two nine through 12 high schools, and how we transition students from our current state into our future state, because that informs a lot of ways that we adjust for staffing, that we configure boundaries, that we transport kids, that we create schedules in terms of opportunities. And so we knew that we had to start that decision-making process first. So we queued it up in May of 2019 to make a decision throughout 
June and July and September, and of course August, in order to make a recommendation to the board at the end of October in 2019. And so what this process explains is how we went about making that decision in order to increase people's awareness of how we're transitioning from our current state into an eventual desired state of the two high school configuration. And that's why we're here today. So that's a a lot of stuff that happened in over a, a two-year stretch. I mean, in, in, in the same time when you guys are dealing with all sorts of things, pre-pandemic days, let's mention, it started before that, even though it's felt like that's gone on forever now. Um, I guess I want to bring Kurt in on this. How did this fall into your uh, purview as in terms of uh, you know digital media innovation and probably strategy? It sounds like more of along the lines of what we're talking about here that um, we're talking about thousands of kids that are going to be impacted by how this shakes out or shook out uh, over the last couple of, of years. How did that get to you and what were your first steps in in, in making it uh, work to where we are today. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for having me again, uh, Todd and Brad. So uh, I think this really started even further back when we talked about elementary migration. Because remember, before the secondary migration, we built two new elementary schools. And um, the work uh, at that time uh, at the district office um, also included migration to elementary schools. So uh, my role with strategy um, and some of the visioning work that Brad and I work on together um, in elementary has is obviously carried over now in, into secondary. So it was taking elements of the process that worked well with elementary and applying them to, um, you know, quite honestly, this is a much larger scale project with a, a larger footprint in terms of impact on our system. So, you know, we were um, fortunate to have learned lessons and um, you know, put together a very thoughtful process for the elementary that we were able to uh, you know, gain that wisdom from as we carried over into the secondary transition. And it sounds like, I mean, we're, we, we're talking about how it's you know, transitioning from you know, a three grade high school to a four grade high school, two four grade high schools. I mean, I'm, I'm just picturing um, you know, po pockets of kids, you know, uh, I chart with, you know, this number of kids goes to this school, then flows to this school and how that all changes from what you have now to what will be in place. And, and remind me of the year this all goes into effect, 2022-23, is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah, 2022-23. Um, and I think what you point out there, Todd, with the number of kids uh, landing at a particular school is central to the thinking about how migration should look. We ultimately offer programs that students select. And we say, you know, students vote with their feet, they sign up for classes, they um, elect to take classes that they're interested in. And um, one of the key considerations in the migration conversation is making sure that, um, you know, you have enough kids to run the program so that you have parity between the different schools so that, you know, you're not running so many programs at one school because of population when you open and, um, you know, no programs in a certain area at another school based on population. And we wanted to make sure that access and opportunity for each of our kids uh, was, was equal across the system. So, um, and then, you know, 
beyond that, there are several other criteria that we wanted to consider as well. And there was a team of uh, district administration that came up with a, a series of criteria that helped us determine how we would start to evaluate the options that were presented to us. I was looking at a, a, a sheet uh, that was on the, the school district website or a, a document that listed some of the options and how they were graded out. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, I think there were six options presented initially. There probably were a lot more than that at, before that. I mean, it, was that just kind of where it ended up that you that these were the six that we'd kind of score or how many different ways of looking at this were there originally? Yeah, it, as many ways that you can think of were yeah. the ways that we could uh, <laughs> that we could have considered. What uh, we were fortunate to have been able to do was reach out through, um, you know, our networks and connections. You know, Brad's connected obviously to national superintendent associations. We're connected to uh, Wisconsin administration associations, and so you know, through those networks, we were able to learn who has built a new high school, who has gone through boundary changes or transitions like this, and what were some of the things that um, they needed to consider. We mapped out all of those on a whiteboard and a conference room in the district office. I think at one time we probably had close to 20, um, and some of them are obvious non-starters based on um, just the, the local conditions and the number of kids in schools. You know, some of the districts are building new high schools and they already have five high schools. That's not the situation we're in, right? So we're building a second high school. Um, and so what we wanted to do was obviously make them, you know, thoughtful and conducive to the, uh, the local conditions here in Sun Prairie. And so we quickly were able to narrow and sift and winnow those down into the six options and then, you know, weigh them against the, the criteria. And so how did that criteria come about? That seems like as much a, as big of a, a challenge as anything is, you know, what's right for us, what's most important for us here in Sun Prairie to consider uh, when we're looking at how this is going to work down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So the theme around the referendum was always about opportunity for kids, opportunity in the classroom opportunity in athletics, opportunity in the fine arts, in music, in the play, um, in uh, clubs, and all of the amazing opportunities our kids have. And we knew that whatever we ended up doing had to continue that theme and that rich tradition of providing opportunities for our students. And again, and, and I've worked as a building administrator in uh, a district administrator in several districts, our kids in Sun Prairie have more options than anybody else. I, I would put that out there. Um, I would make that bold claim. And so we want to continue to make sure that those opportunities were available to kids. So those six criteria, and I'll list them off here, were course and curricular offerings. We wanted to um, continue to provide rich athletics and activities traditions, and we wanted to minimize overcrowding. So remember, not only do we want to continue opportunities, but overcrowding was impacting the ability for our students to access those opportunities. So you, know, you don't build a new building uh, for no reason. The reason that we're in the situation that we're in is because Sun Prairie had grown so quickly and we needed to minimize overcrowding. Um, after that, we wanted to minimize the number of student transitions that students experienced. Uh, we wanted to find a way to 
continue to be wise with taxpayer dollars. And so transportation and staffing costs are other considerations uh, in, that, in that mix. And so overall, those made up the six criteria that we weighed our options against. And it looked like there were two that two of the options that rose above the rest. Maybe we can get into those specifically. If, if people are interested about the other four, they can, I would, I would direct them to the, the district website and there's a page that you can get into. So you can probably search for it in fact, or Google it, uh, secondary migration and, and get right to it. But, um, let's focus in on the two that stood out and why they stood out. And we'll get into, I guess, maybe the, the deeper evaluation in a minute, but maybe can you describe what those were? So in the end, we, we really tested out two options uh, against, against really community uh, criteria. And so uh, we had an option A, an option B, and an option C. And so, and so those options really sort of had like very minor differences in between them. But what we learned about is that um, there were implications beyond the initial criteria that were really interesting. And so the feedback that we got was that between options A, B, and C, people valued like how it interacted with capacity for kids to have access to, to choices. And if one of the options restricted the amount of choices a student would have, people didn't like that. Or another interesting fact that came out in terms of a theme after engagement was to what extent uh, one of the options had an impact on how siblings were treated as siblings, as sibling cohorts transition through grades and come up through the through the system. Um, how the how the how the how clean the transitions were from one school to another, and then to what extent equity played a role in how students transitioned. And so like the options A, B, and C really were filtered down by feedback that we got from, from, our, um, from not only our faculty, but also our parent groups uh, as, they, as they came in and we, in, and we engaged them through community open houses. And so, and so at, at that point then, uh, uh, like it was option A that sort of like rose to the top in terms of the option that ended up eventually being recommended to the school board. You're listening to Homeroom on 103.5 FM, the Sun Community Radio. Uh, I am Todd Molesky. We're here with Brad Sarin and Kurt Mould, the Director of Digital Media Innovation and Strategy for the Sun Prairie Area School District. We're talking about uh, the secondary migration plan that's been in the works and in planning for a few years now. Um, and, and let's get into that option A, what that is and how that was decided on. I mean, were there any particular factors that made that, you, you would say, definitely the choice? I mean, it sounds like it was, is a, it was a close and there were a multi-factor, you know, a, a number of factors that played into it. And you could argue, you know, one way or another for, for a different one or, uh, I guess, uh, get me into how this ended up being with option A and what that means for the district. It's been a while since we've talked about this, and I would summarize it simply by saying, I think it minimized the disruption um, to the extent possible early in the game. So we were able to clearly articulate through this plan that this transition is happening. It's going to happen on this date. These are the kids for whom it will have the most impact. And here are the opportunities and options that will be available moving forward. It 
it allows for our athletics department and our activities groups to um, continue to plan in earnest. Uh, there was just a, the transition was clean and that does not take away from the transition may be disruptive for some kids and some families, uh, but it created the expectation and the knowledge of what that transition would look like uh, very early on in the process, which has allowed the rest of the processes and the rest of the planning that needed to take place to, uh, to fall in line uh, and to also happen with minimal disruption and, and maximum efficiency as we move forward. Um, and with, yeah, Brad pulled up a, a slide. And if you're if you're listening, um, one of the things that stands out in option A is that uh, it continues to provide those opportunities and equal opportunities at both schools. It minimizes the transition window. All grades are represented in all athletics and activities. Uh, siblings in 912 can stay together. Uh, all high school boundary students are transported together. It allows for predictability and enrollment, which also then allows for predictability and staffing. Uh, and ultimately, when our board makes decisions about budgets and staffing every year, having predictability uh, in those in those budget planning processes is is of utmost importance. So just to be clear that, but the difference between option A and B and C is is that everyone in 2022-23, everyone goes to their attendance area school as opposed to the other options there was some flexibility or that 12th graders would stay at the existing soon to be known as Sun Prairie East High School is that is am I in, interpreting that right from from how this this chart works correct and so as as we were exploring how some other schools went through processes of transition there were other processes that allowed for a bit more flexibility for 12th graders uh, or other options. And as we weighed that against the feedback that we got from our community, and then as we weighed that against some of the, the, the other factors that include us maintaining a wide variety of course options or, or minimizing uh, the transition window that we had to transition staff from their current building over into a new building over time. If it was a one-year transition or a two-year roll-in of a staffing transition, that was an implication or like um, even having all grades represented in in all of the athletics uh, that is offered at each one of the high schools or the, the continuity of siblings. If if a, if a senior sibling is able to have an option that a younger sibling doesn't have that option because of staffing implications or transportation implications that that, you know, what impact that would that have on families. And so. Um, what we were really blessed with was an, just an unbelievable amount of feedback from families that informed a recommendation to the school board on October 28th of 2019 that um, that option A uh, would uh, would be the options that we would recommend, and, and the board uh, passed that, that that recommendation. And so now it's now it is uh, a decision that has informed all of the other processes that we have to go through to make sure that this second high school opens on time and on budget in the fall of 2022. Okay, let's talk about those briefly. What has been uh, in the works now since then, um, since that the, the board passed it, we know it's option A, we're going forward with that. How does that uh, I inform other the other things that need to happen? What are those things that uh, are the trickle down from that decision, I guess? 
One of the things that uh, that Kurt has been working on is just is some of the, the the schedule implications and how we integrate high school personalization into the schedule. And so, Kurt, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, with with some of the scheduling, there are um, you know the advent of academy programs programs. Sorry, when uh, students have the opportunity to do experiential learning out in the community. Uh, those academies will expand into both high schools. Um, the opportunity will be available for students to uh, continue to explore uh, bundled classes and some of the unique opportunities that come with, um, you know, co-curricular interdisciplinary classes being offered together. Uh, and so, you know, knowing where kids are going to be uh, and being able to anticipate enrollment is um, <clears throat> been important for the planning of both the facilities in the school saying this is the equipment that kids will have access to on day one because we know that we're going to run a 9 through 12 building. Uh, but also later on as we start to think through um, the curriculum implications and some of the unique class opportunities we continue to work on building, um, you know, knowing who's going to attend and um, how many kids would likely, uh, you know, enroll in those programs is, uh, has been really important to know early on in the game. And it, it just knowing that early on has helped, um, you know, just, I think, settle the minds and the hearts and, and helping under understand what exactly uh, day one is going to look like when we open the building. You mentioned that there is a, a there was a, a good deal of, of feedback from the community from families. Um, as we get closer to this actually moving into place in 2022, um, what are you anticipating in terms of? Uh, I don't know if messaging is the right word for it, but I mean this this is going to impact a lot of families, and some of them are going to feel like it may not be the best thing for them specifically i mean this is something you guys as administrators have to weigh is you know the common good versus the individual where you can hear the individuals you have to factor that into the community good um how do you work with that and is there any flexibility for families that you know really want their student their 12th grader to finish at what will be east high school if if they are in an attendance area that would be going to West High School. So one of the good things is that the Sun Prairie Area School District just went through this with elementaries. And so our administrative staff have been amazing in terms of engaging in those activities to transition students from one of one high or one school to another school. And so and so um, what the lessons that we learned in elementary and also the, the just the areas of best practice will inform our transition work. Uh, to uh, to our new configuration for high schools. So everything from passing our attendance boundaries more than a year ahead of time to help parents and the community understand where they will be going to school to the hiring of uh, the planning principal for West. His name is Terrell, Dr. Terrell Yarborough, who will be um, actually on staff here on July 1 to begin to develop relationships with students and assist with the transition uh, from uh, the current configuration into that new configuration for the fall of 2022 to, uh, to even the website. We've developed the Sun Prairie High School, uh, the Sun Prairie West High School website to begin to be populated with all the construction updates and all of the information that people can access at the you know, ease of their fingertips is meant to 
ease that transition and help inform the inform the, our entire school system of of what the process has been leading up to the decisions, what the decisions, the factors, the decision have been made against, and then also the communication plan afterward to make sure that we're telling everybody what the plan is. Again, to make sure that that high school, when it opens and the reconfiguration of our middle schools is a celebration of collaboration and community input throughout this entire process. From the secondary school space planning committee that made the recommendation to the board and community input for migration to the, the school attendant boundary recommendation and even the communication afterward. It has really been informed. And plus we now, know, oh, go ahead. This, this will be the decision. And so there's not really, there's, there, there's not, a, there's not a, a policy in place to try to circumvent the decision. I will say that what we have learned throughout the pandemic is, is that uh, there's a newfound capacity for, for parents and for students to explore some flexibility through virtual options. And one of those, like we talked about before, those strategy and innovation uh, projects that Kurt is so good at, uh, one of the things that we're currently working on is that, is, is more flexibility relative to virtual options. And Kurt uh, is, is exerting as much leadership with currently with that as he did with the migration plan. And so we're, we're continue to work on options for uh, parents and students relative to, to, to virtual capacity. Todd, one of the things I would add uh, along that celebration theme is once Dr. Yarborough is on staff, one of the things that um, it may actually live lower on the Gantt chart process here is the focus on the transition and the celebrations that will take place district-wide. So uh, we do have work queued up for um, that transition and what those graduation ceremonies and what those celebrations will look like, knowing that we'll move from one high school to two high schools and with it, the transitions that go along. So not only do we wanna keep a keen eye on transitions that have been established in our community, but we also want to give uh, the the West High School community, which is going to be brand new, an opportunity to establish its own transition. So um, more to come uh, once uh, the administration is in place, and we'll um, you know obviously be working closely with the community, uh, with some of our key stakeholders, with uh, Patty in the communications office and Alicia in the communications office, um, to really focus on what some of those um, celebratory aspects uh, will look like as well. This this is. You know, this is unprecedented for Sun Prairie having, you know, we've done this at elementary levels, I'm, I know, in, in the past, to bring forth a second high school and, and turn, you know, Sun Prairie into a, into a uh, two high school community is something that, uh, like you're mentioning, does need to be recognized and, and celebrated and really explained in a lot of ways, too. There's a lot of explanation that has to go along with with what this means. And so that's uh, we'll we'll get there in, in the next year and change, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And, and historical in nature in terms of the entire state of Wisconsin. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is create the network of processes that really represented absolute best practice in transitioning uh, for secondary schools, not only uh, to serve the, the community of Sun Prairie, but also to serve as a resource for other schools in the nation that are going through some of the similar processes and, and, uh, and also document that for posterity because it will be 10 years from now, it will be you know, 20 years from now where people will look back and try to you know, discern like how, how did the community go about you know, making all of these decisions and with the documentation that we have and, 
And with the archiving, especially on our website, you know, we really have done a good job at trying to document all those processes. And I will mention, if anyone listening to this program wants more information, if you go to our school website at sunprayschools.org, put your cursor over uh, the district uh, and the top menu bar, uh, a drop-down menu will pop up. If you put your, if you click on building for our future, a web, a web page will pop up that really documents all of the processes for construction to committee work and everything. If you, if you look in the menu bar there, it'll say committee work, all of the minutes, all of the presentations, all the resources are right embedded into that, into that part of the website. And so everything is on our website uh, for our uh, community and our taxpayers to be able to, you know, take a peek behind the curtain to make sure that, that we are doing this in a way that represents the vision of the Sun Prairie Area School District. Yep. Sun Prairie is a growing community and we know the district is growing along right with it. So, well, thanks a bunch, Kurt Mould, for joining us again. Uh, your next time, we'll, we'll make sure yeah. to have that jacket ready for you for your, your fifth time. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having show. me, Tom. And uh, Brad, good to talk to you again, and we'll uh, catch up with you again soon. Thank you, Todd. I'm Todd Molesky. Thanks for listening to Homeroom with Brad Saren on 103.5 FM, The Sun Community Radio. I'm saved by the